Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Our mandate tonight is going to come from Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter. Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter. And you'll allow me to read from the 9th verse, and I'm going to read a couple of verses up to about the 13th verse. The Bible says, For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the Lord of his inheritance. This Jacob, the Bible says in verses 10, he found him in a desert land and in the west holding wilderness. He led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. And I want you to follow that. He led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stareth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them and beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him. And in there, the Bible says, and there was no strange God with him. Who? Jacob. He made him to ride on high places of the earth that he might eat the increase of the field and he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. Somebody shout amen. So the portion of scripture here, if you're a reader, Moses is writing to open our eyes to something so powerful. And if I had time to begin from the first verse all through to help us understand the depth of this man's language, and heart for us to receive. If you'll allow me, we'll touch something in the second verse of that very chapter where he begins warning us, admonishing us that my doctrine, the things he was about to speak, his song that he was about to sing, he says, my doctrine, what I'm going to give, shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as a small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Before he sang the song he was to sing, before he gave the message, the oracle that he was to give Israel, he told them that it's going to be as rain. In whatever is sung in this text is actually an instruction. It's a teaching. That's why he called it a doctrine. And he says it shall fall as rain, and whatever he's speaking shall distill as a dew as a small rain upon the tender herb, as a showers upon the grass. Now, some of you who know the story, you remember the children of Israel when they came from Egypt, okay? And then they entered the place of the wilderness. And in that place of the wilderness, the scriptures tell us they were fed with what? With manna. It was called manna, that food, because they knew not what it was. So they called it manna. And as they fed from it, Bible tells us that before it fell, do fell. Do fell first. 
before manna fell. Numbers 11, 9. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, then manna fell upon him. Manna never fell where dew wasn't. Manna fell upon what? The dew. So when Moses, the man of that experience, in Deuteronomy tells you that of what I'm going to teach or instruct, he says it shall fall as the rain and his speech shall distill as the dew, as a small rain upon the tender herb and as the showers upon the grass. He's cognizant of the man who should get this which he reveals, which he teaches, which he instructs, that it's going to come as dew, as to welcome manna, as to welcome some great revelation. Let me explain why it is manna. Revelation, quote and unquote. The scriptures tell us when Jesus comes now in the New Testament, he's trying to introduce the New Testament, the new realm. He tells them that that which you were given was not bread from heaven. He says, I am the true bread that cometh from heaven. And any man that eateth of me, he says, he shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me, he shall never thirst. Why? Because they did eat manna and they died. They ate the bread, which they called the bread of heaven, and they died. In other words, the revelation, if you were to look at manna as revelation, as food, as bread, when you are praying, give us this day our daily bread, it's not just physical food. It is revelation. I hope you know that. If you did, now you know. Okay? So, manna is a typification of revelation. As is food to the belly, so is revelation to the human spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so Jesus says that I'm going to give you something. What they gave you was not the real bread. This is the real bread. He says, I am the bread of life. And he that eateth on me, he says, he shall never hunger. Now, if you think he was talking about physical bread, then you'd be lost. Why? Because up to today, you get hungry and eat food. Isn't it? Up to today, you become thirsty and drink water. But he says, but he that believeth on me, he says, he shall never hunger, no thirst. In other words, what I want to give to your spirit, the revelation that I want to give to you will never leave you hungry. You will never be thirsty anymore. In other words, you will be in the overflow. You'll not just flow, you shall be in the overflow. The Bible says that out of him shall flow rivers of living water. Somebody shout hallelujah. Rivers of living water. Rivers of living water, he says. All that believe, all that believe. So he's talking about Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 17, he speaks of one which has an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And he that overcometh, the Bible says, will him give to eat of the hidden manner. Of the hidden manner. Why is it hidden? Because they which are carnal and indifferent cannot connect to the dispensation of the revelation that is available for the regenerated spirit in Christ Jesus. When it comes to the world of revelation, and let me teach you something. There is that which is accessible by all men. You see? There are realities that are accessible by all men. There are truths that are accessible by all men. Either by reason of the office they are seated into, all by their piety and commitment to God. A fellow sets aside some time to fast and then some time to pray. And then he breaks through the spirit realm and then he accesses the unusual. The first ones, even if they don't pray, 
It might be by reason of the office or the gifting of God operating on their lives. You see what I'm saying? And that's a realm of access as well. Now, I'll give you an example in the time of Elijah and Elisha. A time comes when Elijah must go. You remember that story? And then the prophets come and tell him, do you know that the Lord is taking your master? Every prophet that was in Israel could pick that reality. Anybody who was prophetic would pick that God was going to take Elijah. But none of these 7,000 boys, or perhaps men and women, they could be, understood who Elijah was to Israel. Only Elisha had the higher revelation of who Elijah was to Israel. And as he goes to heaven on a wild wind with fire, horses of chariots, he screams and he says, my father, my father, the horseman and chariot of Israel, they are all. The Bible says he rent his clothes. What a revelation. That Elijah was not just a prophet like all the other 7,000. He was distinctively the chariot and horseman of Israel. And when it is done in his ascension and then Elisha receives his mantle and then casts it on the waters and the waters part and then he crosses, the 7,000 get a revelation a different revelation again and bow before Elisha. Yet at first, the first time they met him, he was as one they were just trying to prophesy over. You understand what I'm saying? They were like as if trying to prophesy over him. Do you know? Come, come, come. Do you know that um, the Lord is taking your master? Huh. They expect me to say, sure. Oh yeah. So, what do you advise, prophet? Um, pray. Why? Because there was no more that could be revealed except that Elijah was going. Are you following what I'm saying? So when Paul is talking about certain realities, the things that really catch me, he says, and to whom I'm least of all saints was given unto me this grace to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. He calls them the unsearchable riches of Christ, stuff you cannot search out. This stuff that must find you positioned. And not all men know how to be positioned spiritually. So there's stuff that the seeker cannot find. Somebody shout hallelujah. So in the realm of the spirit, there are different levels by which all of us are able to access revelation. Different levels by which we are able to access revelation. We all access differently. And we can only function as far as the revelation that we carry individually. Even as I'm speaking right now, do you realize everybody here is functioning on a different frequency, a different vibration, a different interpretation? There's somebody right now who understands what I'm saying. There's someone who doesn't understand what I'm saying. There's someone who is about to understand what I'm saying. There's someone who doesn't know whether they understand what I'm saying, but they're just enjoying the words. They're saying, I don't know, but mm, I feel God is speaking. <laughs> don't worry. I'm speaking to your spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. So now when Moses tells you this is falling as dew, it means after this dew, something is about to come on you. And only a man which is instructed in the way of receiving can receive what is coming. 
after this instruction. Somebody shout amen. So if we go back to this portion of scripture, God brings a conversation on a man called Jacob and he calls him the lot of his inheritance. And then he gives us an account in a time when this man is in a desert. He's in a desert. And the Bible says God found him there. I have read commentaries usually who try to use this portion of scripture to allude it to the experience of the children of Israel after they are crossing from Egypt into the wilderness. And I partly disagree with them. And I'll tell you why now for those of you who are Bible scholars. Because the Bible here tells us he found him in a desert land. Okay? When it comes to the children of Israel, he led them into the desert. He did not find them there. Are you following me, child of God? He did not find them there. He led them there. He was from Egypt. He leads them through the wilderness into the promised land. So I don't really believe that they're talking about that crossing from Egypt through the wilderness to the promised land. This fellow, he found him. And indeed, the scriptures tells us that he's talking about Jacob, which is his inheritance. Maybe in part, they then connect later that this Jacob becomes Israel. And that's understandable if you talk about that from that perspective. But primarily, God is talking about Jacob. That experience can be found in Genesis 28. Then from about the 12th verse, if some of you have read, if you remember, he's dreaming. Eh? And there's this staircase or ladder, or whatever it is. Angels are going up and down and God is up there. And, you know, God appears to him in a place. And then he makes a very profound statement. The Lord was in this place and I knew it not. I cannot emphasize enough how many people miss God. And why some people in this world are struggling in life, not of any demon spirit, particularly, but because they are in the wrong place spiritually. Why? They missed God. They missed God. Remember the man at the well, 38 years, he says. And every time angels would come and do what? Stir the waters. And any man who would get there in would be healed. 38 years, he says. But every time I want to get in, Somebody gets there before me. What did he miss? He missed the timing of the Spirit. He missed the unction that should lead him next to that water. Says that when the angel comes, he's the first to fall in. Or perhaps he was the kind, whenever the angel would be coming, he was going to get some cake. You know those kinds of people. They always miss the show. They always miss the show. One time there was a very sick person who sent me a message and said, you want to come to church and you pray for me? And I told him, come, I'll pray for you. And then I reached the church and I called their name and they were nowhere. You see, service ended and I walked back home and they sent me a message and I asked them, were you at church? Yes. When I called your name, where were you? I'd gone to the toilet. Fire. Why should you go to the toilet? Why? Put your hand on your head and say, Father, I pray that I will not miss you. So God in there gives this man an experience. God appears to him and reveals to him something and gives him something that I want to touch today. He gives him something. And after giving him something, this guy realizes God was there. 
and he gets a stone, a particular stone, and he erects it somewhere for a monument. And then he calls the name of the place what? Bethel, the house of what? God. Which later he called El Bethel in the understanding of the God of that house. Now Moses is carried by the Spirit to that very event when Jacob is with an encounter with his God in the wilderness. Because Bethel, which was loose, is actually a dry place. It's next to where I. It's very, very dry. It's a dry place. It's a desert place. You see? And then he is taken by the Spirit to that very event. And then he now writes to us that he found him in a desert in a west hauling wilderness and he led him about, instructed him. He instructed him. And the Bible says, as an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreads abroad her wings, takes them away, beareth them on her wings. That's what he was doing. And the Bible says in 13, and that's where I wanted to make my emphasis from. He made him ride in high places. When God gave Jacob an encounter, when God encountered Jacob, the Bible says he led him to ride on high places. I want you to understand that statement. What does it mean to ride on high places? He elevated him in the place of revelation. He gave Jacob a distinctive revelation. He gave him a very deep experience of revelation. That's why it means to be written on high places of the earth. That he, that he might what? Eat of the what? Increase of the fields. He elevates his experience of revelation. He takes him to places to see things normal people are not able to see that he, Jacob, might eat of the increase of the field. Who, who is following what I'm saying? And he's saying, and he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. And the oil means the anointing. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. He took him to a place of revelation. He gave him an experience of his word, which is honey. And then he poured out an anointing on him from the flinty rock. So we see those three things, that experience of revelation, that test of God's word, and the place of the anointing poured out on him. All these three things happen in the same place where this man was with God. Moses is telling us that what you see in those visions as Jacob explains them, what we see as Jacob recognizing the presence of God, he had those three experiences. He had those three experiences. He had those three experiences. He had a revelation of the person of God. He had an encounter of the word Logos and he connected to the anointing of the Spirit that he might eat of the increase of the fields. Who is following what I'm saying? And God is saying that there are three things that have to happen to you when you encounter him. You must have a revelation of him. Are you following what I'm saying? You must receive an interpretation of his word Logos. Are you following what I'm saying? And number three, you must connect to the anointing that comes with these experiences. You can never understand this until you understand the way of the anointing and the work of the person of the Holy Spirit as he is revealed in the dispensation of the New Testament. 
You see, many people confuse an encounter with God with the revelation of His Word. I have met people who encountered God but don't have a revelation of Logos. Are you following what I'm saying? And they could have the anointing. They could function in the anointing. But if they open the Bible, they can't interpret it right. They can open a blind eye, but they can't interpret Scripture right. Can raise a dead body, but he can't interpret Scripture right. But he has a revelation of God. He has a revelation of the person of God. Are you following what I'm saying? To have access to the revelation of Logos, and out of that, get Rema, is a wonderful experience for every child of God. Every child of God, hallelujah. But today, interestingly, I came to talk about this third thing called the oil or the anointing. Because the Lord told me something, that as we, as a church, continues to grow and seasons change, like Job says, the days are speaking and the years are teaching us wisdom. It seems as though, and I don't know whether anybody has noticed, that the younger generation and the newer breed of Christianity doesn't know so much about the anointing. They understand the principles many a time, which is the revelation of the oracle, the honey. Are you following what I'm saying? They have tested the good word of the Lord. You see, it's on their lips and they've tried it in their heart. It began here to test Hebrews 6.5. He didn't say test, T-E-S-T. -E no, he talks of them which have tested the good word of the Lord. That's honey. You see, they understand the principles. And when I'm stuck, this is how I pray. When I'm in trouble, this is what I do. When I have pain in my stomach, this is what I do. When I need a job, this is what I do. You know, because we're preaching these principles and they're coming so fast. Somebody shout hallelujah. They're coming so fast. This generation knows so much. But it's almost as though, as sad as I can say, even though they appear to know so much, they don't seem to demonstrate much. You see? And it doesn't make sense just how much they can speak. It doesn't make sense just how much they can communicate, articulate, elucidate, and every eight. But when it comes to the experience of demonstrating power, understanding how the anointing functions, many of them are bleak. But yet, again, those same people have had some sort of encounter with God. They can testify of an experience, some sort of experience. And it begins with the baptism of the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. They speak in tongues. They know how to pray. They know how to fast. They understand everything that has to be done in the cord and order of worship, as it's supposed to be known. So yes, they have an encounter of God. Tick. They can connect to scripture. Some of them understand present truth. They understand the ministry of grace, righteousness imputed by faith. You know, they understand all this stuff. But you bring a crippled person. You bring a cancer to them. They understand it all. Oh, no, no, no. If you confess this, you'll do that. They have studied all charismatic doctrines. They've studied the word of faith movements. They've understood it. They're good at confessing. They know how to, you know, throw things around. And the guy can pull a scripture. And even the way they pray, you can think this prayer is going to raise a dead man. And they pray so articulately. And the dead man won't raise. They will not see any power. Or they will not understand what the anointing that God has given us came to do because we have not taught so much 
about understanding the anointing. That is something I can preach about for a year. Because let me tell you something. Liberty does not begin when you feel that in your life everything is moving right. The true liberty of the Spirit is that understanding that comes from the experience or encounter with God and His Word. And by it, you are able to perform to fruitfulness, to perform to richness, to perform to prosperity, to perform to the power that changes things. To apply yourself with the results that must follow somebody who believes in God. But it's almost as though, like I said, we have taught so much on the principles, which are important by the way, because our God is a God of principles, and ignored the most fundamental thing, which is the oil, which is the anointing. So the younger generation, and I see that as we continue to evolve, in many churches today, even demonstrating power looks off. You understand what I'm saying? It looks off. When in a meeting once, Apostle Emma was there, his parents were preaching in their church. They used to have a church. And I remember the power of God lifted a young man from the back and brought him to the front and hit him on the floor in the air like that. Two pastors, theology students, ran out of the church. You know what they said? That is not God. No, 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 no. How can a man fly? No, 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 that is not God. And by the time they were doing that, power of God was moving in the church. People were slaying, speaking in tongues, and things are happening. And two pastors ran out of that room. Pastors, let me tell you, some of us have not seen power as we should. Some of us have not seen power as we should. When we have a conversation on what God called signs, miracles, and wonders, some of us might not be able to explain. Those are signs. That's in the realm of signs. You see what I'm saying? And some wonders. God has not called in this new dispensation, I've told people, in this age, it's not exclusively for one man of God. It is supposed to be for every creature that is born again. You must be not only a carrier, but a demonstrator of the life of God. And Paul says that there are diversities of operations but the same Spirit. Different manifestations but the same Spirit. Different operations but the same Spirit. And in Sophia, the mother of all wisdom, is soonest is the critical faculty and epignosis, that wisdom that by liberty will allow a man to demonstrate the life of God as it suits his faith because he understands by God that that is true liberty. Jesus would lay hands on a sick man and heal him, but then he would choose and spit on the ground and make something out of his spit and then put it on the man's ears and they healed. I sorry, and they healed. Now, you'd say, ah, 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 ah. Have you ever seen it before? For someone spitting? Huh? 
Is that God? That's Beelzebub. Why is he Beelzebub? Why does he have to fast, speak fast? Have you ever read it anywhere? That somebody speaks and then somebody gets healed. In the healing revival days in the United States, I believe in the 30s and 40s, Kenneth Hagin, that great man of God, gives a story of a man who used to spit on people and limbs grow. So he was talking about diversities of anointings. So this guy, he says the first time, one of those days, they bring a man who did not have a hand. Then told the guy, remove your shirt. Then he removed it, and the man's hand grew. Whoa, you understand? Now, those things cannot leave you the same again. Today, our churches, there is no power. No power. They sit in church like it's a political rally. They sit in church like they're in a gender equality conference. Somebody shout hallelujah. They sit in a service like it's a UN meeting discussing, uh, you know, children's rights. There's got to be a difference between a UN meeting and the presence of God. Because lame men don't walk in the UN meeting, but they surely must walk in the presence of God. Blind eyes don't open in a UN meeting, but blind eyes are supposed to open in the presence of God. There must be a difference between you which proclaims to be a new creation and those guys who are preaching something different. Somebody shout hallelujah. At least that's what the word of God says that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he says, and you shall be my witnesses. What does it mean to be a witness? What does it mean to be a witness? It means you're able to speak and explain what you yourself have seen in your life concerning the word of God. The man says that which we have touched, that which we have seen, that which we have tested concerning the word of life. We have looked upon it. We have handled it. That, he says, we want to give to you that you might have fellowship with us because our fellowship is with the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When we relate with Jesus, when we relate with the Father, something tuned and charges us. And when it charges us, we start to see the demonstration of the very life with which we are communing with. And they're saying, this is what we want to charge you with as well, that you may fellowship with us even as we fellowship with the Father. churches are going nowhere because in the world we're in everything is being given answers by the people of the world the secular world is getting answers faster than the church God has to give us something that they cannot duplicate God must do something in us that they cannot replicate they cannot somebody shout hallelujah I was sharing recently there are many jobs that are going to be replaced in the future one of which is low because of the, you know, the technology that is coming ahead in medicine and many things. And I told them that the one thing scientists can't make is the anointing. That one. That's why those of us who are preaching, we still have... Some of you parents should send your children to theology school. <laughs> Somebody shout, Amen! Glory to God! There was a time they used to say, 
go and study such a good doctor, you'll survive in life. Our days, they are going to say, go to Bible school. God will look after you. Those days are here. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. And one day the Lord took me back on a study to understand ancient things. And when you study, one of the most distinctive pillars in Israel's relationship with God was the anointing, was the oil. And if you read through all scripture, you'd see. In fact, I read an ancient text that revealed that there was a time where oil was almost likened as liquid gold. But again, as a miniature picture of the bigger one, which is then to you and I, the anointing. Are you following what I'm saying? And so people would keep it even for a long time. It was one of those things they would keep and not worry that it would lose value because it was precious. If you remember the woman that poured expensive oil at the feet of Jesus, why do you think the first thing that came to Judas was not, I wish they had given us this thing to cook with it. Why do you think the first thing that came to Judas was the translation of the value of that oil into money? Because it was a kind of currency. It was also like a medicine. Some of you have read the story of a good Samaritan. Man is beaten on the road and what does he do? He puts wine and oil on him as a sign of word of healing. But also those of you who read the Bible also know that the anointing was used to consecrate people on divine assignments by God. In the New Testament, he comes through the person of the Holy Spirit and is called the unction from on high. Jesus said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. That means when you have the Holy Spirit, you are anointed by God. The fact that you have the Holy Spirit, you are anointed. But of how you relate and connect and churn it and stir it to become functional in your life and to start to see the fruit of it. That is why in Galatians, he calls it the fruit of the Spirit. Because no man who knows how to function under the anointing is not fruitful. No man who knows how to function under the anointing is not in abundance or will not be in abundance in any aspect of life. No man who has learned how to be functional in the anointing has no power to elevate him above his peers. You see, it's also deliberate by God. And let me give you this mystery because some of you don't understand it. When you enter class, for some of you are in university, for example, there is already a preconceived interpretation of where you are in life and the world responds to you from where you are in life. For example, there are things you don't expect a student to have. There are things you don't expect a student to do. When you graduate and then you get a job, of course you're going to have what the human resource fellows call entry level. Black sheep. You're not expected to earn like a, an executive director. Why? Because the world sort of has a way. It predicts where you are supposed to be and how you are supposed to be. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, 
when you choose to break out of any predictable sort of pattern, it means that in the world of predictable men, you have already become unpredictable. That is what they call the power of elevation. There are things that statistically that are expected to happen in an individual's life because they are in a third world country, financially, socially, and otherwise. When you break out of that vortex and enter the next place and start to live like a second world person in a first world, or you start living like a first world person in a third world, you have already broken out of status quo. If you don't understand the way of the anointing, you will always be in the predictable. Something will always draw you among your peers to make you look like them in any aspect of life. And God has not called you as a believer to accept to be like them. For he says, even though you are in the world, you are not of the world. The first man is of the earth, earthy, carnal, fleshly. But the second man, he says, is the Lord from above. He comes with a spirit of lordship because these are the seven spirits of God. You must come with the grace and anointing of dominion. Wherever you are, you must be off and above. You must excel. Whether it's in your school, you must excel. Whether it's in the business world, you must excel. Whether it's in your career, whatever it is, you must excel. You must do way better than anybody you should find in that world because it's the spirit of lordship. Somebody shout hallelujah. Psalms 45 verse 7. He says, if you read the Amplified Version, you love righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with God and hate wickedness. The Bible says, therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. Do you know what that portion of scripture means? That the anointing will elevate you above your peers. Do you know that stereotypes and sorts of brandings and namings sort of place you in a class of people even without knowing. I told a story once where I was walking through one of the biggest airports and airlines in the world and I was going through a connecting terminal to get my next connection flight. And then there's this guy standing here like this and people are moving. And then he sees me from afar and you know, I travel with t-shirts and jeans. You know me, I'm a chiller. You know, I'm a free guy. I don't, I don't. So I have my t-shirt and jeans and I have this bag. And then there was a first class here. Business slash first class. So I see that and I was going through that. And then the next was economy. So I come straight to enter and the guy says, hey, hey, economy. Economy is there, sir. I say, what? So I say, you mean because I'm this color and I'm this size, I look like economy? He had named me. He had branded me already. Thank God there was an Indian man behind who had traveled on the first leg with me and he had seen me in the class. So, 
This Indian man behind me says, Oh, this is very bad, very, very bad. Tell him, these people have a problem. How do you look at him? Because he's this color and this height, you think that he cannot afford first class? No, no, you're too much. Shh, sir, don't scream. No, this is too much. This is what we're talking about. This is our brother also. Where do you come from, by the way? He's asking the guy. Now the guy starts shaking like this. <laughs> Glory to God! Why? Because in this silly guy's head, excuse my language, it's intended, there's a way first class people are supposed to look like. Oh, some of us are anointed. Somebody shout hallelujah. May God raise you above the names that, that people have been classifying you into. May God raise you above your color. May God raise you above your tribe. May God raise you above your family. May God, may, may, may God receive it. That's what the anointing does. Oh, some of you, now I'm prophesying, are about to enter places that don't look like you. They don't look like you. But if you don't understand the way of the anointing, there are things only the anointing can do. I've stood before leaders of nations, I've preached in places you least expect, I've entered homes that if you found you, ah, what? The anointing can take you places. Your education can never take you. The anointing can take you places. Your PhD can never take you. The anointing can introduce you to people your language could never meet. The anointing can introduce you to things your ability could never get. That's what Jacob found. That's what Jacob found. Some of us must acquaint ourselves with the understanding of what it means to function with the anointing within and the anointing without. Because that which is within you instructs, teaches you. And that which is on you performs miracles, signs and wonders. Do you know what it's like to enter with the very anointing that can raise a dead body? And then you are hired in a company as a CEO. Do you know that that company cannot just function on the credentials or merit that you carry in your papers? It will function with something bigger. At the anniversary, a very rich lady came and came to one of our leaders. This woman comes and finds an anointing and sees people ushering. And then she says, I want to hire people from this church. I am looking for managers, I'm looking for, but I just want to hire from this church. Why? There was something she saw that met all the questions she would have in an interview to hire somebody. That's called the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. That thing can get you a job without an interview. That thing can get you a promotion without any assessment yet. Oh! Somebody shout amen. God wants to anoint you above your fellows. He wants to anoint you above that which predicts you. That's what he wants to do. He wants to give you something that you don't look like. 
That's what he wants to do. But only the anointing can do that. Don't be deceived. Only the anointing of the Holy Spirit can do that. It's what will give you to eat of the increase of the fields. Right now, there is a man on this ground, a woman. As I'm speaking, some people are discussing you now. This very second. And tomorrow, some of you after this service, some of you this very week, you are going to receive a call that will prove that you are not just qualified, you are anointed by God. Somebody receive it. Are you following what I'm saying? There are things only the anointing changes. There are things only the anointing changes. Your education will never change them. Your relationships will never change them. Only the anointing can change. That is why I tell people, even when you are around people who you know are wise or are wiser than you, people who are advantaged, even in the field that you're in, I want you to know that by God, there's some sort of anointing they carry. If you ever meet a man wiser than you, there's some sort of anointing they carry, whether you know it or not. The only advantage you have as a child of God if you're dealing with somebody who's not born again, is that you can do better than them because you are a child of God. But we must also admit that there are people who are not born again, but they're doing way more than some of you in the very fields that you study, the very fields that you give yourself into. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 21, verses 10, he says that there is treasure to be desired. Are you hearing me? And oil in the dwelling of the wise. But he says, but if you have a foolish spirit on you, you will spend it. What do I mean by spending? The usual disease that I've seen common among men, as Ecclesiastes would call it in Ecclesiastes 6. We have people who have come before people who could have changed their world. They had opportunities that many people did not have. You met kingmakers. You met presidents, you met prime ministers, you met kings, you met people who can change people's lives for good. And you came out of the presence of that person and nothing in your life changed. You just have a picture with the president. You know, there are those people, their WhatsApps are just with the king, with this great person. Do you know that there are people in this world who you can meet in one second and your life changes? Do you know that? Oh, do you know there are people in this world you could meet for only 10 minutes and they ask you, what do you want? And they have the ability to give it to you because it's in their hand to give it. And the Bible says you spend it. It says a fool spends it. A fool spends it. That means it takes great wisdom to know how to stand before greatness. I have a sermon on that. Go on YouTube and look for it. It's called How to What? Stand before greatness. It's an important thing. There are people whose presence you should never leave without some sort of impartation or change on your life. He said that there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. 
Some people may never give you money, but they may give you words that can change your life for good. They might change your life for good. You might be at a workplace where even the pay they give you is not enough to even afford transport to and fro. But the person you're working for can speak two or three words in your life and make you a multi-millionaire in dollars. Now the foolish one will say, I'm not going to work there because they don't pay enough money. No wonder you are poor because you went for money, not purpose. I graduated as one of the smartest students in my own class. But the first pay was a hundred thousand shillings. They first paid me. But the woman I met was a kingmaker. I knew that if I sit around this woman, she'll say one thing in my life and something will be propelled into my next place. Now I'm a businessman, partly because there are things that woman spoke into me and they were like an extension of the anointing. And that's why our generation misses it. Because they get that appointment letter and read and it doesn't match up with what should provide food for them and clothes. And they say, uh-uh, that job won't work for me. That's why you're going to stay poor. Because some companies, you're not going to go there because they give you money, but because they'll connect you to the voice that will command your destiny. They will connect you to the person one day you'll be seated on that table, on that front office as a customer care service. And a man will walk into that office and look at you and speak words or give you an opportunity that will change your life for good. But God, God, God always positions men who are ready. That's why they always say your master will always appear when you're ready as a student. If you are not ready by the Spirit, mastery cannot come to you. And sometimes the place of preparation is the chisel. It's the pruning of yourself to sit at that job and know I'm not being paid this much, but I'm acting on something to propel this company, this business to the next place. It's not always about pay. It's never about pay. And then you feel sorry for the little small boys in churches who tell you, if they won't give me 10,000, I won't play the guitar. Oh, listen, listen, listen. So if you don't play the guitar and God is in that presence, you think he won't move because you didn't play guitar? Do we need your guitar for God to move? No, but I've seen it in some churches. It's not here. I've seen it in some churches. Pastor say, oh, me, if you don't give me this, I'm not going to sing. If you don't sing, don't sing. If you meet a person who is anointed, they won't need your song. Because your songs don't open heaven. Come on, somebody. They just entertain men. There's a difference. There's a difference. No man with an anointing that can open heaven can ask for a pay. Because he has a revelation of God that is bigger than any man could ever give him. Trust me, show me one. Show me one who can worship and let men walk and then he asks for a pay. Tell you, they can't be because they understand the price of the anointing. And that is why one day provoked me to teach about Isaiah when the Bible says, come without money and buy. You see, because Isaiah is trying to show you that there are two kinds of people. There's a group of people which labors in the way of the world as the world should labor to pay for their dues. And then there's a group of people in the same world who know how to get things without those labors. I'm not saying we shouldn't work hard. No, but Hard work should not be in the realm of dues and wages because no man in this world can pay you equal to the blessing of God on your life. The 
problem is many of you don't know who you are. No man, and I repeat that in this world, can pay you, no pay grade on earth can pay you equally to the blessing of God on your life. You've just not discovered who you are. And so we met men which know how to buy without money. In other words, they don't need to transact in the ways of the world to access the things the world is ready to die for. That's why the man of wisdom tells us labor not to be rich. Is he saying that we should be poor? No. He's saying that wealth in this dispensation of understanding is not in the realm of labor. And they mean that we're not hard workers. No. But wealth is not in the realm of labors. It's in the realm of the anointing. It's in the realm of the anointing. There's something the anointing of the Holy Spirit can put on you. No man can walk in a certain anointing and be broke. It can't happen. Understand me. Understand me. I'm not saying we shouldn't work hard. Hard work is in the realm of purpose, assignment, mandate. Not building wealth. Never build wealth by your job. You can't. Even if you do, that would not befit what God has placed on your life. That's a weak arraignment to wear and a disgrace to the way of the Spirit. To the way of the Spirit. The man you are following would send disciples without a program and none would lack because he sent them. The man you are following, he would tell a man, go in the mouth of a fish and money would come out of that mouth. And that man tells you that is the same anointing on your life, whether you receive it or not. There's a way certain things will and should come. I told people I had a vision, I think it was 2013. And the Lord told me the sun will never go down without a man blessing you. I encountered something. And the Lord told me the sun will never go down without a man blessing you. And from that day, the sun has never gone down without a man blessing you. It has never. There's never been a day in my life since 2013. Sometime in 2013. There's never been a day in my life where the sun went down and a man didn't bless me. That's what the anointing can do. I don't beg. You've never seen me beg. No, no, I don't. Have you ever had me? You, God has told you, give me this. Have you ever seen me beg? No. Have you ever seen me do these fundraising things? No, I don't. I don't. Because I live under a pattern. I live under a covenant. I don't live under survival mode. There's nobody whose door I've ever knocked and I said, please give me this. I've never done that in my life. Why? Because I know who I am. I know who I am. I know who I am. Masha de go zika para de go see brother. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. That is why when you sit under the word and start listening, you see the process? Encounter with God. Connect to the word and the revelation of it. The oil comes. That's the pattern. So every time you sit in service, you're building something. You're building something. People might not know why you're seated here, but something is rubbing off you. You might not see it very easily unless you're a spender. But if you do not spend, every time you sit under the word, the teaching, something is wearing you. Something is stirring in you. Something is coming over you. Something is establishing you. Something is positioning you. When you read Job 29 verse 6, read the Amplified Version. Job 29 verse 6. He says, when my steps, listen to the Amplified, through rich pasturage, pasturage, through rich eating, 
of the word, when my steps through rich eating of the word were washed with butter, the rock poured me out for me streams of what? Of oil. That's what it means. That the more you receive of the richness of the word, the rock, which is Jesus Christ, is pouring out some oil on you. You might not know what it does. All you know is that one time you went to an interview and they gave you the job even when you were not the most qualified. Do I have a witness here? You went to the interview, there were people which were older than you. There were people with more books than you. They have more masters and PhDs than you. And then you applied for a job and reached there. And somehow the Lord came looking for you and said, this is the one we want to give the job. That is the power that changes the world. That in everything, men will always speak you. People will always speak you. When they look for a name to represent, they will always remember you. That when they look for a name to advise, they will always remember you. When they think of a name to advantage, they will always remember you. When they think of a name to bless, they will always remember you. They'll always remember you. One time I received a letter from a nation, another nation in the world. And their government was thanking me for my work in the gospel from another nation. Another nation, a ministry. You know, like the Ministry of what, Foreign Affairs. They were thanking me for the work I have done in my nation. You understand what I'm saying? I've never met them. I don't know who they are. But that thing that introduces you where you're not, thing that makes a man scroll through YouTube and then he finds himself typing your name and then he finds himself pressing play and then he finds himself sitting there listening you don't even know who he is oh somebody shout amen those are things only the anointing can do only the anointing can do that's the oil that only can come out of the rock. That's the thing that my man Jacob encountered. That is why at the end of Deuteronomy, that very portion of Scripture 32, when you go down to 46, after he had instructed them in the way of the anointing, Moses told them, set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children also to observe to do all the words of this law. For it is not a vain thing for you because it is your life. And through this thing called the anointing, you shall prolong your days in the land whither you go over Jordan to possess it. Through this thing, you'll prolong your influence in the land. You'll prolong your power in the land. You'll prolong your wisdom in the land. You'll prolong everything that God has placed on your life wherever God will place you. You're not alone. You don't enter these things only with your head. No. There's something on you. There's somebody with you. You understand what I'm saying? Now people see me preach. Oh, you're a good teacher. But really, who? Because you see, there are things another man may be able to teach. Do you understand what I'm saying? But there's a power every man who should teach these things should have. 
what we carry inside us. Let me explain what I mean. You see, when I stand here, what I'm giving is revelation. You see, I'm giving pastorage. I am giving the word. I'm trying to give somebody an experience of God. You see, but it's also out of the abundance of the anointing that I carry every day. Something that is over me every time and in me every hour. I sleep with him in the night. I eat, he's in there. I am walking, he's in there. I do everything and I know how to say, you know, now let me moderate this because if I don't control it, I will not be a human being. People will even fear too. You understand what I'm saying? And then there are those times by liberty, I know that now let me just release this. Let me just allow what he's doing. You understand what I'm saying? I'll give an example. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. Did I pray for anybody? No, that's something in my spirit. That's an anointing in there. But that anointing changes lives. It changes destinies. It heals cancers. It heals tumors. The lame walk, the blind have seen before you. Miracles have happened before you. Testimonies upon testimonies. Families are changing. You know, destinies are aligned. But I just counted to three and he was already available to show himself strong. To show himself strong. Start living ahead of everything in your life. Because everything in the world is living after some sort of dictate. And men who know how to operate in the spirit are leading and commanding those dictates. Stop living as simply a receiver of everything happening in the world. There's a lot of energy and power, a lot of, you know, vibrations and frequencies that are commanded by God just to fulfill divine purpose. And you understanding how the anointing works makes you a participator in what heaven is trying to do across the world. That is the power by which I preach. That is the power by which men come to listen. That is the power by which men are transformed. I know that that is not me. That is God, Christ in us. The Bible says the hope of glory. You see, I receive that in meekness and a lot of grace and humility because I understand that it is not me. It is not me. And I'm conscious of that every day. Every time I get on the altar, I know. That's why you see I first worship because I'm conscious that it's not me. I know that it's not me. But you see, I have understood that this thing grows. This thing grows. This thing grows. And as it grows without, it's also growing within. And you must learn how to grow it within and grow it without. Because if you grow it without, but you cannot grow within, it means that you will lose the language of divine instruction. You will lose the oracle. And whatever you demonstrate without will not be able to equate to the wisdom of God operating on your life. But if you lose that which is without also, the disadvantage of that is that you'll speak so much of what you cannot demonstrate. Every balanced man by the Spirit must have both. But these two individuals, within and without, must be balanced. They must function balanced. I want you to open your mouth and speak to God right now in Jesus' mighty name. God is ministering to people. I just want to allow you to open your heart and tell Him, God, I need that anointing that changes things. I need that anointing that moves things. I want it manifested because I know it's already in me. I want it functional because I know that it abides in me. As we are praying, I see God touch. I see God touch. 
I want you to open your mouth and just receive this because there is a lot of anointing available. <laughs> my God, my God, my God, my God. God, show somebody what I see. Show somebody what I see. I feel God is moving. Holy Spirit, touch somebody as they pray. There are healing anointings here. Power There are teachers of the word here. Power The anointing of the wealthy. There are people here that were called to learn nations. Power There are worshippers here that were called to open heaven. Power there are prophets here that were called not to be prophets in nations, but prophets to nations. There are business people here that are not doing business for survival, but they were anointed to instruct the world. When his power takes over, your soul when his power takes over your soul you pray will be changed his glory will be revealed when the spirit takes over your soul Jesus. The Bible says that the yoke is destroyed because of the anointing. I rebuke that witchcraft of your life. Come on, pray. Diabetes is getting healed now. Somebody with diabetes, somebody with high blood pressure, God is healing you. Somebody with kidney issues, God is healing you. Somebody with liver issues, somebody with limb issues. If you're crippled, walk. Ears are opening, blind eyes are seeing, 
is living. Family bondage is living. Family witchcraft is living. Those things that follow through generations, they are breaking right now in the name of Jesus. Barrenness is dying right now. That spirit of not getting married, it is breaking now in the mighty name of Jesus. over your soul Spirit takes over your soul You You will be changed Somebody receive what's happening Somebody receive Receive Do not spend it Do not waste what God is doing now Connect to it and say, God, I receive it for my family. I receive it for my career. I receive it for my mother. I receive it for my father. I receive it for my children. I receive it for my womb. I receive it for my dreams. I receive it for my ministry. In Jesus' name. You will be changed. His glory will be revealed. You will be changed. His glory will be revealed. Thank you, Lord. Now, those of you who are there and you've never given your life to Christ, and today you say, I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior. Wherever you are, say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.